Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to be part of our next workshop coming up June 24th through the 26th in Texas. So call us today at 210-822-8201 or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Are you ready to get real and start living each day in purity? This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Pure Sex Radio brings you the best in mobile talk radio. Listen to real-life struggles, learn how to overcome lust, pornography, and sex addiction, and get serious about purity. Your hosts for Pure Sex Radio are Jonathan Doherty and Stephen Cervantes. Jonathan is the director of Be Broken Ministries and founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop for Men. Stephen is the founder of the Hope Counseling Center. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. And now, please welcome Jonathan and Stephen on Pure Sex Radio. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today. My name is Jonathan. I'm here with Stephen. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm blessed today. Thank you for asking. Excellent. Well, before we get started, folks, I just wanted to remind you, as we do every now and then, that we are a listener-supported broadcast. And so all that means is that the only way that you are hearing this right now is because there are uh, listeners that have come alongside us, partnering with with us financially. Um, We reach... Anywhere between twenty-five to thirty thousand listeners a week in over eighty different countries, and so the way that we're able to continue to reach those folks and even expand into new areas is through listeners who want to support what we're doing. And so, if you feel uh, like you would like to come alongside of us, partnering with us, we we need your help in this. Simply go to PureSexRadio.com and you can click on the donate uh, link to learn more about that. Well, Stephen, uh, we are going to be talking about family of origin issues because one of the things that we we do see that happens with um, those who are coming to us for help and recovery, guys who come to the workshops, um, even even women, and so it's not just a man issue, men, women, we all start out in childhood, and so therefore we all have a family of origin or just the environment in which we were we were raised. And this plays more of a significant role than some are willing to admit or or explore. And what we want to talk about this week is kind of as it pertains to um, the men that we deal with, 
what is the impact that family of origin has? And one of the things that I've, I've, I like to say is that you know every boy um, has a story of boyhood trauma. I mean, every every man has a story of boyhood trauma and hurt, um, and and even within that confusion. And so you know we get guys all the time that will come to us for help. They're looking at pornography. They're drowning in some kind of sexual addiction. And it's interesting how some guys, the reaction they have, the minute you say, well, tell me about your boyhood. Tell me about when you were a kid. And some of them actually have a really strong reaction like, that doesn't matter. Yes, why, why are you want, true. Why are you wanting to go there? Because listen, I just told you that I'm a 45-year-old man that is looking at pornography two to three hours a day. Why? What does it matter what I experienced at seven years old? What does it matter? And so maybe this week's broadcast, we're going to try to help folks understand a little bit of the connection and why this family of origin issue really does matter to what a 45-year-old man is doing with his sexuality. But now, are we going to let out the secret that we have, the secret program that we make them come to the weekend and get? Yeah. We're going to sort of give away our little tools here. Is that what you're doing? I could always go into, but wait, there's more. (laughs) That's good. Well, as part of the kingdom, if we give it away, God gives us more. That's sort of what we've learned on this program. There's something else. There's something else. There's something else. And if if you hold it, you die with one little truth. But as soon as you start giving it away and other people own it, then he gives you the next thing. And it's like he hasn't stopped with me yet. Has he stopped with you? No, no. I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> so, family of origin, how you got your start is critical. And I'm you know, some terrible things happen to us along the way, right? Mm-hmm. When you think about it and you get a room full of guys telling their stories when they were young boys, you know, we were inviting one man to tell his story and he just burst into tears. It was so painful. It's like, I don't want to go back and remember my story. And there's a line in a movie, the past is in the past. The past is where it's belong. Leave the past in the past. But you can hear the fight, right? But if you don't know the early story, then you cannot know that how the today story makes sense. So family of origin is know your early story and look at it as an adult because you captured it as a child, encoded it. And what's your line you like to use about kids? They're great observers, but terrible interpreters. That's right. You observed many things as a child and interpreted things as a child, but now we have to stop and review them and interpret them as adults. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so rule number one is we never review our past with the intent of shaming anyone. We're not blaming, shaming, guilting our parents. Right. We tell our stories so we can learn better who we are. And so you have to ask yourself, who were your trainers? And what were your trainers, your parents, strengths and weaknesses? Because mother's strengths and weaknesses helped and hindered you. Mm-hmm. Dad's strengths and weaknesses helped and hindered you. Any comment? Yeah, I think, um, like you said, we all have a a history. And, and I think, to me, a lot of what you're saying there 
points to this idea that um, sometimes parents have this false expectation or this this uh, grandiose expectation that a five-year-old should just almost by osmosis know what life is about. I think we make a lot of assumptions of mm-hmm. our children because we're not remembering clearly what it was like to be five, what it was like to be seven, what it was like to be 10 years old. And so I think some some of the, you know, we, we hear from guys a lot of times that say they, they lead, as soon as we start going into the family stuff, they lead with this. Oh, I had a great childhood. <laughs> it's true. Right? My, that happens like 95% of the time. Good parents, they went to church. It was a good family. And so why do you say that in a shocking sort of way? They start with such good. Because I think, again, we well, part of it is because I think, uh, especially since we deal with a lot of Christian men, they falsely assume, listen, if I say anything that might be perceived as negative against my parents, I'm somehow not honoring them. I'm not respecting them anymore. And That's and, good. And uh, maybe they, you know, and I look at it this way. Yes, maybe your parents are respectable, but they're not perfect. And again, like you said, we're not going on a witch hunt. We're not trying to create, you know, look for blame, but there is something about going on an honest journey. And I think also some of the reasons that people say, I had a good childhood, I got a childhood is because guess what? They were taught to say that. Oh, that's right. Some families say we're a good family. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we talk and, and it's like, but do you really he- talk in a healthy way? And are you growing and are you maturing? Are you learning? Or you, did you just talk, pass the mashed potatoes, please? Uh, where's the salt? Right, exactly. We talk about it. it's hot outside or take your coat, it's cold. So we're not going to go into any stories right now. We're, we're saying we have five things for you to look at as, on your mission to getting healthy. And the, I mean, there's one thing with five parts. Just one is this introductory section. section. Family of origin is critical. But I'll tell you what whispers quietly in the background. Hey, don't look at your past. Hey, mm-hmm. run away. Mm-hmm. Hey, call it stupid. Hey, say, you're not going to blame my parents or act like nothing happened. And just say, good, good, good. Everything good. All good. Good, good, good. And that's fine. Who doesn't want to be a part of good? But part of a child's acting out is coping with discomfort emotional discomfort that happened way back in the past. Yeah. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking there's so many, uh, there's so much confusion. Like once you start digging into the family of origin issues, what you find is even these guys that say, hey, it was all good. It was nothing. You find that at the very least, every man, and you can say this of women too, but we're really dealing with the men here in this broadcast. Every man experience confusion and boyhood in their family. They simply didn't know. And many times they didn't know even how to ask because they didn't know what they didn't know. <laughs> mm. So there's a lot of confusion. So when you've got the, the guy that's then saying, I don't want to go into my past, leave my past in the past. You know what? Some of that it's saying, I don't want to go back to feeling confused. I don't want to go back to what I don't know. I don't want to Because what do we learn along the way? We learn to cope, and coping is a way of saying, okay, I don't know, but I'm going to figure out something that works. 
So I try and I try and I try and okay, boom, that didn't work. That didn't work. That okay, but here this worked. It might be totally dysfunctional, but it worked. Yes. And so to take a forty-five-year-old man and then say we really need to go back into your family of origin issues, it's like panic attack. Yeah. Because he's going, wait a second. I've learned how to cope. Yeah, sure, it's dysfunctional, but I don't want to go back to the feeling of not knowing or the feeling of being confused. And that to, that's what I think many men don't even realize that that's what they're resisting, but almost on a subconscious level, they're saying, if you want me to go back in my past, you're asking me to go back to that very scary, confused place. Yes. Even absolutely. if I came from a quote unquote good home, I was still confused. I still didn't know, yes. you know. Yeah, that's good. So I think as part of do, doing your family of origin work, you have to say it out loud. You have to map it out, talk to an adult, think about it, say it, own it. You can't just carry the story quietly in the back because when you say it, and we've seen this as men start to talk, they start to put pieces together and they start saying, uh, I had a controlling mother and that's why if anybody tries to control me, I turn into this rageaholic. Mm-hmm. But when you when you start to say, I came from a controlling home with a controlling mother and we didn't have freedom. And then I think, oh my goodness, if somebody tells me what to do, I'm in their face. Don't you try to control me, right? You can start putting together, but you have to say it out loud. You have to own it. You have to say it. So I would go on to say that the fear is that my past has brokenness in it. And this is your point. What if you see my brokenness? Mm-hmm. What if you see my brokenness? Or, and if you see my brokenness, what if I know that I was a weak, failing boy and I did bad? And, and what if you see and think I am bad? Mm-hmm. I don't want you to know that. Well, and the idea of not seeing my brokenness is one of the reasons why I think many men are quick to defend their parents to defend their childhood. But also, like what you're saying, if if I knew even growing up how confused I was, if I knew that somewhere along the way I picked up some habits that did not turn out well, but yet helped me to survive, you might see all of my imperfection of how I did childhood. You might see that the answers and the coping that I came up with has actually landed me here in your office at 45 years old. And mm. and I don't, and so some of it is saying, listen, Stephen, all I want you to do is I got a porn problem, okay? I want you to give me the three simple steps to fix yeah. my internet porn problem without having to get into my junk. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think about how that actually plays in to the very child that he was. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. That's the very child that's saying, I don't want you to see me as confused, mom. I don't want you to see me as weak, dad. I don't Mm -hmm. want you to see me as not knowing what to do. Or calling me bad. Yeah. And I had this thought, if if I'm scared of being called bad, then I'm going to say, there was only good in my past. It's all good. If I'm scared of being called bad, I can't have the word anywhere around me, anywhere in my story. So I say the opposite. My family was good. 
they were good. Don't you know? I'm good. Because if I say, hey, bad happened, then it may implicate me as bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and who wants that, right? I mean, we, we don't want to be uh, called bad. I mean, that's, that's kind of at the heart of shame, right? Shame is saying you are bad at your core. Yes, that's good. So number two, our, we have a friend, Lee Preston, that's a friend of the ministry. And man, he's big on father wounds and mother wounds. I mean, he's like a laser, this guy. He'll go right after it. You know, he does this thing really well. I, when I watch him, it's like, wow, that guy's good. But he taught me something I didn't know. And, you know, as God is teaching him, we're all teaching each other, in case you don't know that. I learned from Jonathan and Lee, and mm-hmm. they learn from me, and it's sort mm-hmm. of... So he said, now listen to this thought. This is very profound. I've been a counselor for 28 years, and this, I didn't know this. And this is what I, one of the things I hate about myself. What if there's something I didn't know that would have made a difference? Uh-oh, your confused <laughs> little boy is coming out right now. <laughs> That's it. I'm almost <laughs> shaming myself here. But... But he said this profound statement, you must be able to see your parents as flawed, imperfect people. You cannot be free if your parents were good and you messed up, then your parents are good and you are bad. Mm. So healing occurs when you're honest and you say, my parents struggled and they struggled with each other. And I was a child, and maybe they fought, or maybe somebody drank too much, worked too much. Maybe somebody was too angry. My parents were imperfect, and I was raised in that imperfection, and it impacted me. You understand? Can you hear the difference? Mm-hmm. My parents were great, no flaws, good parents. I'm the screw up, stuck for the rest of your life. No, my parents had some weaknesses. And dad drank too much, and it was a little crazy, and the house was confusing, and then I went to my room a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you hear that shift there between they're good and I'm bad, or they weren't perfect, and I didn't have perfection, and I had to make sense of craziness? And I think one thing that is careful, is important to point out in understanding that difference, is it's not just flipping the coin. In other words... It's not saying, okay, um, you know, I can, I've got maybe this model that says they're good, I'm bad, and so the way you answer that is you say they're bad, I'm good. It's not saying that, right? right. I mean, it's 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 different than that. It's not just flipping the coin. What it is is it's saying it is it's reframing that idea of they're good, I'm bad, with the reality that they are human beings just like I am. That are that are that get confused, that struggle, that make mistakes, that don't know everything, and and so it's it's acknowledging, it's beginning, it's beginning to realize that there's not as far of a chasm between you and your parents than you w- once thought of, because the model that says they're good, I'm bad, is this infinite chasm between the two, right? I mean, right. how can you bridge that as a little boy if they're good and I and I'm bad? I mean, we can't connect. There's no way I can bridge that. But if you start to see your parents as, you know, in adulthood, when you start to realize and look back on this and realize, okay, my parents were not perfect. And again, you have to remember, this is not going and looking for ways to throw your parents under the bus and to 
you know, beat them up, but it is an honest journey of being able to say, you know what, when dad did that or when mom said that, it hurt me. Yes. That is not, um, that is not evidence of love and goodness. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's, it's being able to reframe that. Why do you think Lee thinks that's so important to the healing process? Why do you think that's so important to be able to go back and see your parents as Because imperfect? it's the right starting place. You can't get to the right ending with the wrong starting place. Is that what you're thinking mm-hmm. or something else? No, I'm just asking. Yeah, no, no, because the right start gets you to the right end. Mm-hmm. But if you say, good, 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 everything good, 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 then you must be bad because you can't figure it out. But when and you- Which is probably why you've also manufactured an image of good to everybody else yes. while inside you're being torn up with your addictive behavior. Good. So we got three more points I want to cover. Uh, I asked a group of 10 men. I said, can you tell me... Now, let me back up. I don't want to start that way. Let me back up and start again. I've been thinking about this, and I think if you think about your family and you, if you had to describe your dad, you could probably describe the most impactful things. They're probably going to be negative ones. The most impactful things in three stories, or your mother in three stories, right? Oh, he, I got a. He's a workaholic story, and he never was home. Blah, blah, or he was an alcohol. Or he was. Um, he never talked. He was just a quiet man, and we. He never. Whatever the stories, you could tell me three stories to describe. Uh, the significant parts that would negatively impact that would have changed your life. Because remember, we're looking for brokenness. And so we look for the three things that were most broken in your parents. And any thoughts, any questions, or is that clear so far? No, that's what clear, I said? Yeah. Okay. So I asked 10 men, can you do this? And I had no idea what they were going to answer. No idea. It could have been 50-50. It could have been one say yes and nine say no. Nine out of 10 said, I can tell you in three stories the weakness of my dad. And one of them said he couldn't. Well, that, that's just an observation. He better go back and do some work mm-hmm. because you were there. You were raised in that culture. Are you owning it? Do you see it? It shaped you for the rest of your life. Any thoughts? Well, and I think this goes back to what you were saying about if, if you've got a wrong starting point, you're destined to have a wrong finishing point. And part of being able to go back and, and saying, hey, can you, can you capture kind of the the overall idea of your parents in in three three key stories and maybe even your relationship with your parents if if somebody is unable to do that it just shows me that they're probably more disconnected than they might realize i mean they're they're very disconnected from being able to to even see um the effect they therefore that their parents had on their lives if you can't you know, kind of capture some key stories that signify what your relationship was like with your parents growing up. That's that's saying you're pretty disconnected, I think, from... That's good, yes. That's, it's your story. It's your yeah. life. You're disconnected from your story. And you have to be in your story. You said it well. We love stories. We live stories. Story is how we talk. But you don't know your story Hey, mm-hmm. hey, a flashing light, you know, signal, red flag. So let me go down to this point. You can't really go in the front door of the obvious and fix what's wrong on the surface, the simple. Well, I have this struggle. Well, stop it. 
Mm-hmm. You, you know, the, everybody can say the simple answer, but I sort of said it this way. You can't go in the front door. You have to go in the back door to find the broken places to sort of figure them out. And so we could say you can't go in the surface. You have to go below the surface. But I sort of said the front door is the obvious place where everybody wants to say, well, stop it. Quit it. I'll pray for you. Don't do it again. Okay, we're, we talked about it once. We're over, right? That's the front door. you got to sneak around and get the rest of the story. And that's why I think it's important, you know, when we have that that 40-year-old guy come in and say, man, I'm drowning in pornography, I'm depressed, all this kind of stuff. And when he when we invite him to begin dealing with his family of origin issues, and he says, well, that's stupid, I don't want to talk about that. Yes. We have to keep pressing in on him and saying, listen, I can't, there will be no real help that I can give you if I go in the front door. And just say, yeah, you are ruining your marriage. You're ruining your family. Yes, <laughs> yes, you know, you should stop looking at porn. Well, for one thing, any advice that you give somebody through the front door, you are insulting their intelligence to think Ooh, that they've never true. thought that yeah, before. That's right. We all know how to do better. I Exercise, mean, eating. We know how to read and pray better. Stephen, if somebody comes to you or to me and is willing to admit that they are addicted to pornography, do you think they've never thought before that I should probably stop doing this? (laughs) That's too good. That's too good. It's true, though. So not only will going through the front door not actually address the problem, it's almost like an insult to them to say, you've never thought of this before, right? You should stop. So what we have to do is invite them into the harder places. Yes. It is harder to go into those closed closets and the things where we've got all our our secrets hidden. That's good. But that's where healing begins. That's good. So I want to spend the last part of the program talking about a big vision, because God has been sort of working on me. You know... You know, people talk about paradigm shift, and it's like we throw that around. Right? It's a paradigm shift, but but the, and that might have been I made a little change. You know, I, I I used to drink regular cokes, and now I drink diet cokes. It's a paradigm shift. You know, what I mean? it's like <laughs> what are you talking? Paradigm shifts are like huge changes in thinking that that shift is whole. It's like going north and turning a battleship around to go south. It's a massive ordeal that takes a quarter, a half a mile of everybody prepping and turning. And you, know, you understand, this is a big, directional, heavy. So when I talk about a big vision shift, we, most of these guys come in and they are, they're, uh, they know they're supposed to be to love well, and they do sacrificial love well. Uh, they try to do relationship love well, but they don't know how to love well enough to get their lust under control. And so they end up developing this very sophisticated lust life. Mm-hmm. And they do some loving too. They sacrifice, they go to work, they give, they feed their children, they put shirts on their backs, and and but there's this conflicting I have to have both. But what do you think when I say that? Well, I think uh, you you've said it before in this way that, you know, many men are on a mission to be a great luster mm. when the real mission is to be a great lover. And so I like the way you put it there though that some men they're they haven't learned to love well enough to get lust under control. And it's interesting I like the way you put that because you're saying, listen, the way you actually break free from lust is not by trying to um, 
Stop it, stop it, stop it. Yes. It's by actually trying to engage something that is so much bigger and transcends lust on such a level that it draws you out into something that is larger than yourself, mm-hmm. that's that's truly good, and therefore, as you pursue that mission, you by default are removing yourself from the other mission of being yes. a great luster. Yes, and you get so caught up in it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so restful, peaceful, good. And you think about who God is. He said, I am love, and then he, you're made in my image, so you have your Father's design, and so we are designed to be great lovers, but we got wounded in the battle and the journey, and we picked up some bad coping. But what if we could build a vision, catch a vision? It's already built, actually, but catch the vision, move to make the paradigm shift, move to a new vision. In in solution-focused therapy, they say, well, what if you were that person? Imagine yourself being that person. Start to dream and think about what's next. And so I'm proposing, what if you had a really big vision that you were going to be a great lover and that that's what God's called to? Might that help you shift out of the small vision of small, broken, loser, scared, bad, desperate, panic, to just repeat, I'm made to be a great lover. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm made for. And that's where we're going to close the program. So I hope that there have been some things that have stirred in you about your own story. And hopefully you also want to capture this or or catch this big vision of being a great lover. And we'd love to help you along that way. So please contact us after the program. And we'll look forward to having you back here next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. 